the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. First thing I want to do is thank everybody that came out this morning. We had a workshop at Tri-C's Corporate College and uh, East Side, and a lot of people showed up. We had a lot of fun. At least I did. I hope they had fun, and I hope they uh, got some pretty valuable information. We were talking about uh, tax avoidance, and there are some different uh, topics there that uh, we covered. We also talked about a little bit about some of the strategies and some of the uh, developments. I wanted to kind of continue that conversation on today's show. Developments in the um, economy that should lead to pretty decent stock markets, um, should lead to continued economic growth, which is always a good thing, uh, unless it's you know highly inflationary, and then that's 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 a little tough. But we're not there yet, so we haven't gotten to that point yet. And uh, hopefully that stays away for quite a while longer, because that would al- always help. And um, so there's a lot of a lot of really good stuff that we talked about. We've got to uh, going to continue those conversations. I'll have uh, workshops in the future where we're going to be talking about some specific things you might be able to do. And one of the things that uh, I didn't talk about that I kind of wanted to talk a little about and forgot was the tools that we have available to us now are uh, substantially improved, and they've they've been constantly improving over the past thirty years that I've been in the business. When I look back at what we used to do and how we did it. And how we do it today, it's we've come a long way. We've really come a long way. And it continues to evolve. And I really like it. I, I like what I see. However, it's very confusing for people who don't spend a lot of time in the industry. It can be incredibly confusing. I know BlackRock is one of the larger asset managers on the planet. They do a very good job. Uh, $6 trillion in assets under management now. And they provide an awful lot of tools. They've they've invented and created a tremendous number of products. That's a great thing. The One of the unintended consequences is that you have to have a dictionary to look up a lot of the terms that they use to describe a lot of that stuff. And it's time-consuming. So... Uh, if, you ha- if you're not doing this every day, I can see this would get really tough over time. And the things that people have a tendency to look at, the past performance over the past one, three, and five years, 
not helpful. That is, by itself, that can be downright dangerous. If you're just looking at the one, three, five year, even 10 year track records, that can be really a, a dangerous way to manage your money. You really need to look a little bit behind the scenes, see what they're doing with the money. I talked about a gravitational pull towards a what I call the central value or the value the stock should normally be selling for. It's a relatively simple concept and it goes like this. There is a value a stock should normally be selling for and it's basically a range of prices. And stocks have a tendency to get highly uh, appreciated above that value. They tend to go up a lot higher than they should and they have a tendency to go a lot lower than they should. So if you know where that central value is, and that's actually going to be the theme of the next workshop that we do, because I, I feel like if you understand this, and it's not that hard to understand, but if you understand this and you look at the holdings that you have in your uh, retirement plans, the 401ks, the IRAs, you can get a pretty good idea of how risky or how aggressive your fund managers are being. Think about that. So not only can you look up the one, three, five year track record, which everybody on the planet can do, but you can see how much risk they were taking to try to achieve those returns. And that's where, you know, that's one of the the jobs of your financial advisor is to not only locate strategies that have done well over time, but also manage the risk well, because that's the, probably the most important factor. If you're in a, a, an investment that's performing very well, but it's too volatile and you didn't know that it was going to be really volatile, you have a tendency to pull out of that investment when it's down because it's down a lot, or maybe it hasn't done well over the last three or four years and you just don't know any better. But yeah, that's pretty common. If you look back over the past 25, 30 years or so, uh, or even 50 or a hundred years, that has a tendency to happen. If you were not aware of that, you'll probably think something is wrong. You'll leave. And then when the big uh, performance kicks back in, you, you miss it. That's the number one problem with people in their investments. They're not familiar with how that money is being managed. And I, and I understand the prospectuses are written incredibly uh, with incredibly complicated language. You have to get a, a dictionary of investment and accounting terms to understand what they're saying. Uh, that's where what they've done is they've created a job for people like me, people who read it, understand it, and then try to translate it into English <laughs> or translate it into everyday language. And I'll give you an example, a value oriented fund. A couple minutes ago, we were talking about that central value. There's a value that stocks have a tendency to come back to over time. It's kind of like gravity. You can defy gravity for so long, but sooner or later, you know, plane has to land. Unless you shoot something out in orbit, and that's, you know. But bottom line is gravity's a very strong force, and there's a central value of a stock that's also a very strong force. And eventually it'll pull the stock back to that level. And then it starts to go either higher than that again or go or, or goes lower than that again. And the types of investors that focus on companies who are selling uh, below those standardized values are called value investors. They like to buy stuff 
that they think should be selling for more. And when you see that, in fact, we talked about the uh, Bullington Capital Value portfolio. What does it do? It looks for value. How does it do that? It looks at a measure of income the company's generating and divides it by the price of buying the entire business, including the debt, so that you can get an idea of, a, or a, you can get actually a yield. Let's say, uh, and by the way, the exact formula, I'll be putting it up on my website soon. But let's say the yield is, is 5% and the yield on uh, another company is 10%. Which one would you rather have? The one where you'd get a 5% return or 10%? Obviously, 10%. But if you didn't know how to do this, you wouldn't know how to calculate those numbers. And that's what a value-oriented manager does. They go in, they take a look at the estimate of what they think the company is capable of earning. They look at how much they should actually pay for that. And if it's selling for less than that, they'll buy. Quite frankly, it's that simple. Uh, They will use a lot of really flowery, flowery, can't even say that, flowery language (laughs) to, uh, to tell you what they're doing. But that's essentially what you're doing. Okay, there's that central value. Is it above that or below that? If it's below it, we might buy it. If it's above it, probably not. So that's value investing in a nut, in a nutshell. Growth, on the other hand, looks at how the company's growing. It might incorporate price movement. A lot of them do. Whenever you hear or see the word momentum now, which is in a lot of exchange-traded funds, whenever you hear that or see that, now you know that they're adding price movement to their calculations on what they think the values ought to be. And that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Those companies are buying stocks or investing in stocks that are going up right now. And the other ones are investing, the ones that are trying to buy stuff that's underpriced are probably buying stocks that have been going down because that's what makes them undervalued when your share price drops. So you've got two successful strategies and they're on the polar opposites of one another. One that's trying to buy low, sell high. One is trying to buy stuff that's going up really quickly right now. And you know what? In the long run, they both work pretty good. Most people tend to um, like the value-oriented stuff. I like the idea of buying something when it's on sale. The vast majority of investors and professional investors too tend to prefer that style. Now you've got a smaller group. They've been growing, but it's a smaller group that likes to say, okay, I don't really know and nor do I really care that much of trying to figure out the actual value. I just want to buy stuff that's going up right now. It's going to make me money right away. And they're a big part of the market. It's a big part of the market that exists out there. So they are literally on the polar opposite of the other guys. And if you look in the long run as to how well those strategies do, they're like within one or 2% of each other. I mean, there's no clear winner. In fact, the winners appear over a four or five year time period to be whichever one's just done the best. It'll push it far enough ahead of the other one that everybody thinks, oh yeah, that's the that's the one always going to win. And then the other one kicks in for three or four years and catches up <laughs> or passes it. So that's why I like to have both of them in, in portfolios. And uh, in addition to that, with, with BlackRock, they've, uh, and I'll tell you, 
Six trillion dollars. That's how much they manage. That's one of the reasons you probably want to pay attention to what they're doing. And, and thankfully, they, we work with them fairly closely. We also work with First Trust. And next week, I'll talk a little bit more about First Trust because they've got a uh, an event coming to Cleveland uh, near the end of August. It's uh, basically you have to be a registered investment advisor uh, to be able to attend. Sorry. But they're bringing in economists who have contacts and have worked uh, at really high levels of government. Why is that important? Well, because they can get information that you might not be able to get any other place. And it's all legal. Uh, they're, uh, you know, people they used to work with. So I, I like hearing about that kind of stuff because, you know, with the era of fake news, you very difficult to figure out who you can trust out there. Uh, even with some very, um, I guess, how would I say it? The, uh, high quality publications. Occasionally somebody fools a reporter and gives them some bogus information and it makes it into a high quality publication. So I I like talking and listening to the talks uh, from people who have uh, a lot of connections, you know, to make it just that simple. They've got the connections. They know what's going on. And by the way, it's not like you can't read the feds minutes. You know, they, they do publish that it is free and they're pretty open. They talk about it, but these are guys that are going a step further. And, uh, that's one of the changes that has occurred over the past five to 10 years. They've really focused on people like myself. You know, we're not the multi-billion dollar institutions out there, but collectively we add up to a lot. So they've actually come to the point where they're providing a lot of research, a lot of data. So we get first trust BlackRock. It's what's interesting is these guys are publishing their opinions and they're acting on their opinions. So when you see them doing something, they've got the ability to kind of fulfill that prophecy themselves. (laughs) That's why you want to pay attention to it. Or that's why people like me want to pay attention to it. Because I know, for example, I'll give you a real good example. There's a, a, an exchange traded fund that invests in global technology. I just started looking at it. They just added this not too long ago to recommended portfolios in one of the BlackRock portfolios. So they just they just recommended this. So I'm going in and I'm looking at it and I'm going, ah, that's pretty funny. That is the, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for quite a while. I talked about it this morning. I'll be talking about it for the next five years. There's a technology that's called 5G. It's going to change an awful lot of industries. It already is. And it's just in its kind of in its infancy within the first couple of years. It's a technology that allows data to be transferred at a super high rate without draining a lot of resources. In other words, you don't have to have a lot of equipment. The equipment for it is relatively small. You can add it on to the existing equipment, which is the way that is being done right now. Now, eventually it will replace the existing equipment. But the way that that's done is they add it side by side so you can use both because it's not backwards compatible. So the new devices that come out that can use the 5G are using it and devices that need 5 or want 5G but need the 4G because in some places the 5G is not even available, they have both. And that's what the way that it's going to go for the next four to five years. So I'm looking at this and that is going to have, that's going to change everything again. Just like the internet changed everything, 
Just like Qualcomm's technology is the reason you can send texts and video on your cell phone and the reason that they're doing some rates now that are flat. You know, they, they actually predicted that everybody would have access to everything all the time uh, back in 1996, which think about that's 22 years ago. They were predicting that it would be 75 bucks a month. Well, we still haven't reached that one. Now, we will eventually. But that changed. Their, their technology changed the way all the cell phone companies operate. And a lot of the Internet uh, through Wi-Fi. It's changed the way, and it's created an enormous amount of opportunity, an enormous number of jobs, uh, an unbelievable amount of equipment has been sold, and now it's happening again. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. So long story short, BlackRock comes out with a global technology fund. Woohoo! They're uh, They're reading and listening and paying attention. And by the way, they can get, a meeting with any CEO they want because they manage so much money. And they're saying, yeah, this is not going to be good just for U.S.-based companies. We think this is going to be good for companies all around the world, and it is. So they decided to create a fund that way. I decided to take four exchange-traded funds and concentrate just on the semiconductor industry because I believe that they will benefit the most. But it's not like it's one or two companies. It's going to be dozens of companies. That's why I needed five funds to get them all because the funds are all uh, structured differently. There's not a tremendous, there is some overlap. There's not a tremendous amount of overlap, but in order to get every nook and cranny in that particular industry, I had to use the five funds that are available right now. There may be some more in the future. I'm probably sure there will be, but right now I think that's really going to benefit from what we're seeing. And if you look back in the uh, early 80s, there was this technology, it was called seismic. They were using it to locate oil. Prior to using that technology, they would drill a well, and one out of two wells that they drilled came up dry. They would miss. They missed the oil. I hear the music. That means i got to take a commercial break. We'll finish that thought right after we come back from this commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420 The Answer. Stay tuned. Wish the officer had known what a day to day has been. Say goodbye to the mainland and aloha to the breathtaking sights of Hawaii with our Aloha Summer Vacation Sweepstakes. Enter now for your chance to win a seven day, six night stay in paradise for two. WHKRadio.com. The Army National Guard is committed to keeping the country safe and our communities secure. Composed of hundreds of thousands of citizen soldiers from all walks of life and in every corner of America, the Guard is always ready to respond to local or national emergencies. The Army National Guard reacts to domestic operations in each of America's 54 states and territories, including Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and the District of Columbia. Each state National Guard's unique domestic role is to act as the first line of defense in support of civil authorities in their state. The Guard's emergency responses include 
search and rescue missions for floods, combating wildfires, hurricane and tornado recovery, and the presidential inauguration. The Army National Guard. We are always ready. We are always there. And in every state and territory, we stand guard for our communities. To learn more, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Jay Sekula needs to see Congress do something, anything. 337 of the president's nominees are awaiting confirmation in the United States Senate. 32 of them are judges. The stymie we're getting in Congress is just frankly unacceptable, and that's why we've got to break this logjam uh, and exert what we call maximum pressure on the United States Congress. Jay Sekula, live, weeknights at 6, right before Larry Elder at 7, on AM 1420. The answer. Your favorite programs anytime. Click the podcast link at whkradio.com. From an idea that started in 1967, Our Lady of the Wayside has grown to serve almost 900 children and adults with developmental disabilities throughout Northeast Ohio. It's an operation that is still growing thanks to tremendous support and generous donations like the Wayside's Car Donation Program. You can donate your ride to the Wayside for a great tax write-off by calling 1-800-368-6262. The Wayside is also looking for people to join their team. They hire for attitude and train for skills. Visit thewayside.org to apply today. Do you have one of those bathrooms that are old, outdated, or impossible to keep clean? Well, there's a new revolutionary product that transforms most baths in about two days. And it isn't a one-size-fits-all system either or a Band-Aid over the top of your old bath. Joyce Factory Direct specializes in bath makeovers where they completely remove your old, dreary shower tub and replace it with a new custom-fit solution. The result is a brand-new, sophisticated, and stylish bathroom at a great price. Joyce Factory Direct's bath makeovers system uses 100% non-porous acrylic, which means it'll stay beautiful for years to come because mold or mildew cannot accumulate. Their experts will help you with designing and choosing between different showers or tubs which are available in dozens of colors and styles, including faux marble, granite, and tile. And like all Joyce Factory Direct products, it's built and guaranteed to last. Call now to schedule your free bath makeover appointment, 440-243-5700, or visit JoyceFactoryDirect.com. Everything breathing, praising God in the company of all who love the And we're back. Hey, feel free to call us 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945 if you have a question or comment. And, uh, you know, I was thinking during the commercial break, we had a, a couple people come to seminars uh, that have come many times before, and one of them used to be a floor broker on the Chicago Board Options Exchange. And he's got a little meetup group going, so we're going to try to see if we can get him. Uh, his name is Joe Waterman, by the way. And he teaches some really interesting stuff. They're pretty sophisticated options strategies. And uh, right now it's free. So we, I know I get some calls here occasionally from people who would like to know more about that. And they're typically asking me questions about it. I will tell you that to do that, you need to find someone who's, highly skilled and highly trained in that area because coming into that area uninformed is not a good idea. You really need to get some training. And I passed the options principles exam. That was, that had to be 20 years ago. 
I haven't really worked in that market or then that area for an incredibly long time period. He still does. It trades his own account and he shows you the techniques that the floor brokers used to use. So maybe we can get him to, uh, to call in and give a, give us a shout out here, give us his phone number or something. And the reason I bring that up is I know that there are people that are interested in that. And uh, you need to get with somebody who really knows a lot about that and is comfortable with it to basically so that they can keep you from taking too much risk, you know, because with options, you can lose an enormous amount of money in a relatively short time period. And you can actually lose more than you stood to gain. And in a really bad scenario, I mean, you could, you could just do a lot of damage. So you really need to know what you're doing and you really need to have guidance from somebody who does this on a full-time basis, which, uh, which I know Joe Waterman does. So he was uh, asking me uh, what I, you know, what I wanted to, to mention this. I'm, my answer was nothing. Uh, I'd like somebody that would be available to talk to people who have an interest in that because uh, quite frankly, I, I really don't. The, uh, I know enough about it to know I don't have the kind of time it takes to do a good job doing that. And that could be really dangerous you know, if I started doing a lot of work with that. And I'll pick and choose my spots in that place, but it's nothing like the stuff that he does. So anyway, well, yeah, maybe we'll get him, uh, we'll have him on on future shows. And, and again, uh, there's a, a website called Meetup. You can go to Meetup. I think it's called the Hudson Trading Company. That, that's his organization. And right now he's just doing uh, free educational workshops. So I think that's kind of neat. Trying to figure out how, we're gonna, how he's going to put that into a business. And uh, so that should be interesting too. And if you have uh, calls, you can always email me, bill at bullingtoncapital.com, or you can go to the website. It's bullingtoncapital.com. There's a contact us form there. Feel free to fill that out. I will get back to you as quickly as I can. The... Uh, um, just as quickly as I can. And one of the other projects, this is a mini project. I've been working on this for a long time. I, I really don't devote a whole lot of time to it, but I think this year I probably will because I've gotten so inundated with questions about financial planning that I think, you know, I've been giving the answer out, but when you just give somebody the answer, they have a tendency to go, oh, and then just walk away. <laughs> Understanding the answer is kind of key. Um, and it's not as complicated as you might think. Most things are not all that complicated. Some are. I mean, some are necessarily complicated. You know, we looked at, we're looking at ways of avoiding taxes. Well, there aren't a tremendous number of them. There are some. They, they tend to work fairly well. Most of them are just common sense, actually. We're not allowed to give tax advice. So whenever you hear from me, I have to tell you by law, you should go talk to a licensed tax preparer and run that by them. So, which is what I do. Anytime I hear of an idea that I think is interesting, I just call my tax guy and I've got one on um, retainer so that I can call them and my clients can call them if they have tax questions. That's, that's a, uh, that's a vocation. Now, a lot of tax people try to give a lot of investment advice. Yeah, I don't think they should allow them to do that either. In fact, they're not supposed to. You're not supposed to give investment advice out if you're not licensed. You know, that like that's going to stop anybody. <laughs> but the uh, uh, you're not supposed to do that. Professionally, it's not a good idea because you can actually run into liability there. But 
So, and uh, they're closely related. They're not the same. Taxes and understanding how businesses work, doing accounting, it is not the same as investing. It's it's not. The uh, investments don't work like you think they're supposed to. They just don't. You think stocks are supposed to go up when the economy is doing good and, and they'll start going down. Why is that? Well, because the expectations are changing. It's not based on what's happening right now. It's what they expect to happen in the future. And unfortunately, to know what that is with a high degree of accuracy, you'd actually have to take a poll of every single potential market-moving participant, which number in the thousands, and find out and see if there was a consensus in feeling. What you're going to find out most often is that there doesn't seem to be a big consensus. And that's the uh, thing I find almost laughable as you're polling all these people who have very similar backgrounds, very similar training, and they all have different opinions. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I, I laugh about this all the time. I, you know, I studied economics in college and they called it the dismal science. That's why. Because depending on who you ask, uh, you're probably going to get a slightly different answer. Sometimes the answers will be a lot different. Is hence the name dismal science. You can't get a lot of continuity in the answers that you're getting. And you never know when certain factors are going to come into play in an economy and when they're going to go away. Uh, so doesn't mean that you don't try. No, actually you can, the economies are relatively predictable if you look far out into the future. And although it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're looking just over short time periods, and short is anything less than five years. Anything less than five years, your guess is as good as mine or anybody who's telling the truth. There are a lot of people that will tell you that you know they know what's going to happen. They've got a crystal ball that works or something along those lines. Yeah, I've got this method or systemology yeah, that we're going to apply and it's done this in the past. Yeah, okay. I like what Peter Lynch had to say about that. He said he didn't spend more than five minutes reading an economics report, not more than five minutes in his entire career. (laughs) Now this guy beat everybody's record, by the way, he's, he's got the the best long-term track record of a uh, mutual fund that was available to the general public, you know, regular mutual fund and didn't spend more than five minutes reading the economic reports, which I think is funny because you know what? Somebody showed him when he was in business school and actually he was probably his employer showed him the correlation between economic activity and stock market activity. And the correlation was so low that it was considered statistically insignificant. In other words, it didn't matter. Stock market moves on expectations and expectations change pretty quickly. And they don't tell you that their expectations are about to change. <laughs> they just do. That's one of the reasons that there are more value investors than there are momentum investors, people who are looking at price movement. Because a value investor can identify companies that seem to be undervalued based on things like assets, sales, and earnings, something that are highly measurable. 
The price movement is basically based on emotion, which is not highly measurable. It's very difficult to measure. There are some ways to do it, but they're, they're more uncomfortable than saying, for example, I really like Procter & Gamble because it's got X dollars in sales. Their profit margins have averaged this over time. They make products that I can understand. The products are relatively low cost. It's not like you're buying a new jet. You know, you're going to buy some Tide this week. So all that stuff. By the way, I keep forgetting to give the phone number out here. It's it's 216-901-0945 if you'd like to call in. I'm going to go to the phones right now, and I got uh, JR. Good morning, William. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I, I Very fine, thank you. I have two stocks that are polar opposites I'd like your opinions on. Um, sure. One, I've been in for a, a while. I've made good buck on it. Uh, it's called Quayless, so we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Uh it seems to have hit a trading range now, bouncing between 95 and about 87. Uh, it's got, at 95, I think it's pretty close to being fully priced, but we thought that back at 70. Uh, currently, it's selling at about 137 times earnings. And uh, could you give me a little thought on that? I mean, 137 times earnings, obviously, it's a growth stock. I think it's Sales have gone from about 100 million to 200 million within the last year. But uh, hold, buy, or sell. Well, if you were looking at a valuation and you're a value investor, um, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be holding this stock. Okay. Because okay? the, the revenue over the last 12 months, even though it's up 22%, which is a big number, a 22% increase is huge. Mm-hmm. The, the market cap or the stock market value of their stock is $3.7 billion. Okay, so 242 million to 3.7 billion. That's 15, almost 16 times its annual revenue, not its profit. It's mm-hmm. annual revenue. So, obvious, this is just like Amazon and Cisco Systems and EMC were back in the late 90s. And, you know, those stocks went up three and four times farther than anybody ever thought they would. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. They went up three to four times more than anybody ever thought they would. And then they crashed and they took uh, Microsoft to actually just now, you know, just within the last year, got back to the price that it sold for 17 years earlier. So that's what I'm saying. If you're an investor, you're, you're not in that stock. That's not a value under any stretch of the imagination. A trader, on the other hand, will be, putting trailing stops on and, you know, hopefully uh, adhering to them and making some money on it. But that's not easy either because that stock fluctuates a lot. I'm just looking at um, here going in. So from April 17th, actually April 18th. Okay. uh, Last price on it was 84.45. And a few days later, a couple weeks later, it was down to 68. And then it pops up goes to 96 then it goes down to 82 so that is a tough stock that that's what i have to say warren buffett has this uh folder on his desk and it's labeled too hard that's where i would put that one (laughs) it's too hard okay uh all right there could be a, a trading strategy behind it i would assume if i've already made money on it and uh, continue to sell covered calls, uh, 
watching that it doesn't bottom out, uh, I still could maintain a position and make a few dollars on, I would assume. Well, you hope. A conservative yeah. move. Hey, that's not conservative. There, no. there's, you can't be conservative with this stock. It's not a conservative okay. stock. Okay, so, even with selling the call. Yes, covered everything you, you, you sell a okay. call, let's say you sell a call for 3 bucks at 95 and then it opens at 50 one day because they find out one of their big contracts got canceled. Okay. Is, is it really possible for a stock to go from 90 to 50 overnight? Are you like kidding? You know well, I mean? how, often you, that, how often does that happen? A right? lot one more frequently than you would think. That, that's what I'm asking you, yeah. Bill, because I say maybe one half of 1% that can occur at uh, some time. Well, actually, it kind of happens kind of lumpy. So like if one company in the industry all of a sudden has a problem, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll see that company do that. And then if another company comes out with bad news, then all of a sudden a whole bunch of companies start, oh, well, we should all air our dirty laundry at the same time because they're doing it. And that there's a group think going on there. So you'll see that happen more frequently, kind of in waves. And uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to do that either. <laughs> it's the, you, I assume you would agree that cybersecurity is a, a uh, pretty much of a growth industry for the future, though, correct? Sure, but you've already paid, and so has everybody yeah. else. I mean, you've paid for the next ten years worth of growth in that stock. If you're if you're holding on to it at today's prices, yeah. you're doing the same thing people did with Microsoft back in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Microsoft was actually. This stock could actually go up another two or three times what it, we might have paid for it in 2013 because it could double again. If it doubles again, it will be slightly higher than the valuation that Microsoft achieved back in the year 2000. I think what you're saying is it could it easily could double, but also could lose quadruple its losses just as easily. Yeah, yep, the yeah, risk side is greater yeah. than the uh, growth side at this right. point. Yeah, that, that's a yes. That's exactly okay. what I'm saying. Uh, now, the next one is more of a long-term investment or perhaps a buyout opportunity. What do you, what do you think about Newell? I've, I'm into that now. Uh, Newell has, uh, I got into it by way, way of selling uh, puts, and so I, you know, it's rebounded a bit. I'm up about 5%. Uh, I was paying a 3.5% dividend. Is there any long-term value in that stock? You think? Yeah. No, when you look at it, it's uh, price-to-sales ratio is just 1%. Uh, mm-hmm. which is relatively good. The reason it's so volatile, though, you know, Newell does a lot of um, uh, commodity products, mm-hmm. and it's hard to have an, a big advantage over other companies when anybody can make your product. Sure. Yeah. Hey, i got to take a real quick commercial break. You want to hang on? Uh, if you wouldn't mind, sure. Sure, yep. Listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420 The Answer. We'll be back after these messages. Do you ever find yourself saying, I need a vacation? Vacation Fixation can help. At Vacation Fixation, we specialize in all-inclusive trips and cruises to Mexico, the Caribbean, and Disney vacations. Why choose us? Our clients book through Vacation Fixation because they are frustrated with online trip brokers and timeshare scams. Whether it's a weekend getaway, a family trip, spring break, or honeymoon, Vacation Fixation will personalize a trip just for you. Want to know the hottest destinations in Cancun, Punta Cana, Jamaica, or Puerto Vallarta? Interested in room upgrades, beach reviews, or details about resort restaurants? How about finding a trip with a direct flight? At Vacation Fixation, we take all of your specific travel requests and shop our suppliers to find the best deal. What's the cost? Our suppliers pay us so you don't have to. Call 330 330- 
573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation. Bob Vila here with my home improvement tip of the day. How much snow on the roof is too much? That depends a lot on the way your roof was constructed. Steep and smooth roofs tend to shed snow easily, while roofs that are only slightly pitched or flat tend to collect big drifts. Another important factor is the weight of the snow. Removing a heavy snow load can be tricky. If you have a multi-story house, you'd best not be climbing up and down icy cold ladders to dizzying heights. Better to leave that to licensed insured pros who have the right equipment to get the job done right. On the other hand, if you have a single-story home, you can use a long telescoping snow rake to pull snow off the roof. One caution, though, rakes that come into contact with shingles can do a lot of damage, so look for sturdy models with small rollers that keep the edge of the rake away from the shingles. Finally, before you start pulling snow off the roof, put some thought into where the snow is going to land. You don't want to damage your plants. Get more info at BobVila.com and right here at home with me, Bob Vila. Join in your daily dose of debate. Michael, I disagree with you 90%, but I never miss your show. I agree with you about 99% of the time. I appreciate your pursuit of truth. The Michael Medved Show. You're one of the most brilliant guys on the air, TV or radio. Debated with a lot of people. I've never debated with anyone nearly as good as you. Michael Medved. You're a masterful speaker. The Michael Medved Show. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Here on AM 1420. The Answer. By now, you've figured out a fact of American life. The mainstream media hates President Trump. Where other presidents have been given a pass, President Trump is held to a different standard. They don't seem to want to report anything he does good. Instead, they appear to want to tarnish anything good and paint it with a negative brush. You know, sometimes they're just unable to disguise their disgust for all he stands for. Making America great again? Yeah, maybe they really don't get it or don't want it. That's why you have us. And that's why more of you are counting on us to get your news. AM 1420. The answer. Looking for a great way to save on taxes? Look no more. Just call Our Lady of the Wayside at 1-800-368-6262 and ask about their car donation program. It's simple and it works for everyone involved. You donate your ride, you write off the selling price, and the money goes to help the physically and mentally challenged citizens served by Our Lady of the Wayside. The number to call, 1-800-368-6262. Will you want more? So yeah, more. Donate your ride to our lady of the wayside. I've been here a thousand times. And we're back. Hey, you still there? Yes, sir. All right. I got... Okay, uh, go ahead. I'm I, sorry. No, I looked up uh, uh, Newell Brands, uh, which is Rubbermaid, for those of you that, that might not recognize that. Uh, at least the business portion of it, and I I know why the uh, this, the stock is relatively cheap. But you look at the profit margins and the types of businesses that they're in. That's that's why it's uh, got a low valuation on it because the the businesses really fluctuate a lot, and the profit margins also fluctuate a lot. And just as a general rule, the more a profit margin fluctuates on a company the more volatile its stock price is going to be, and typically the lower the valuation will be. So I'm looking over the past, oh, this goes back to 2005. They had years where they lost 17%. So for every dollar that they sold, they actually cost them 17% more than the dollar that they got. <laughs> wow. And But 
2017, their profits were 44% that one year. They probably sold a division off. I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know yet. I'd have to go back and look. But the, you can see several years where they've been 19, 17. So when you're going from a minus 17 to like plus 20, that's all over the map. And it, and it looks that way. So the more uncertain a company's profits are, the more variability that you have, the more it's going to fluctuate. Be discounted. Yeah. And they tend not to sell it at a, at a real high valuation. So. Okay. So the, what I'm reading here is if they would have a reorganization or uh, something of that nature where they'd have a lot of costs, that could influence that correct, just as much as if they could... Uh, yeah, if they were if they were to get rid of something, and my headset keeps going out, uh, I'm not sure why, but um, so if I yeah, it's going out every few seconds. Okay, and you hear me now? Yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. Anyway, uh, the uh, the so, more you see something like that happen, uh, the more fluctuation, it, and it's still going out. It's, it's this is. I can hear you quite well. Yeah, sorry about that. The. Uh, there's something at the radio station that keeps turning on and turning off my headset. But, so I'll try to answer the question without with this going on in my ears. It's, uh, okay. So the consistency of the uh, return is every bit as important as the amount of the return. Is that correct, Bill? Okay. Uh, can you repeat that? I'm sorry. Is the consistency of the dividends... The uh, historical record, it is every bit as important as the amount of the uh, re- return. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. Generally, that, that'll work that way. You, you want to see, con- most people love consistency. Mm-hmm. Most investors love consistency. So the more consistent it is, the higher premium companies like that will, will uh, demand. So people are willing mm-hmm. to pay a little bit more for them. Uh, and they really pay a big premium for a company that's got a big fat profit margin uh, the way that Coilus does. Mm-hmm. Coilus has got a, that's why they paid so much for Cisco Systems and, and for Microsoft and for Intel because they have had huge profit margins and they were growing, you know, 20, 30% a year there for almost 10 years in a row. So, and everybody got to expect that that was going to stay that way forever. Sure. And they started paying, you know, paying up to get that growth and then the growth slowed down. And when the growth rate just slows down, you see what, you know, stocks crash. They'll literally crash. You don't want to be the last one in the uh, musical nope. chair game. <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard. You can't, you really don't know exactly when that music's going to stop. That, that, that's the really tough part. And uh, that's why I like to just set up a set of rules uh, that will help me capture a big chunk of those moves and just be happy with it. Very that's, good. All righty. Thank you, Bill. Have hey, a good week. Thanks for calling. Yeah. You too. Bye. Bye. And sorry sorry to make you hold, Joe. Oh, no worries. You have a, oh, this is Joe Waterman. Yeah, this is. Okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. The, uh, that's good. Uh, so I was talking about you a little bit earlier on the show, and we were talking I'm about- I'm sorry. I was, trying to, I was trying to call in. I just didn't have the numbers. So I apologize. Oh, that's okay. I should have given it out more frequently. I, I keep uh, Everybody keeps telling me to do that, and I keep forgetting. So if, if anybody else wants to call in, it's 216-901-0945, 216 And uh, I was telling people about the, uh, uh, you've got the meetup, and it's called the Hudson Trading Group. So if anybody wanted to meet with you personally, I, I'm pretty sure they could go there and sign up. Yeah, that's correct. It's meetup.com, Hudson Trading Company. Yeah, and uh, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of of your background, your, the training that you got? 
Yeah, sure. I think you might have mentioned it a couple months ago, but I was uh, I was a floor trader or a market maker at the Chicago Board of Trade for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of my career, I was trading 30-year bond options on the floor. Okay. And but I've a- also traded equities and some indexes too. Yeah. And that's what uh, kind of interested me. I get a lot of people that'll call in on the show and they'll ask a lot of questions. Uh, in fact, our last caller uh, typically would ask a lot of those questions. And it, you know, it's funny. You you were talking about the Newell Rubbermaid, right? And yeah. about a month ago, I think it might have been the same gentleman that called in. But can I tell you the trade that I put on when I heard that show? Sure. Or is that? Yeah. No. You, so you can. I, yeah. So I sold the uh, twenty four put in September, mm-hmm. and I bought the twenty eight thirty three call spread for September. Okay. <laughs> and I think the stock was maybe around like 25 at the time, and it's probably rallied, getting close to 28, I think. Yeah, 27.80, yep. So, yeah, so I was, uh, that was a trade that I just put on, uh, I think, when that gentleman called in, because he was talking maybe about, uh, was it, uh, had a pretty good dividend yield or something like that, right. a big company. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So I was like, all right, I'll take it. I would, I would be willing to take it below 24, I see all this kind Possibly. of stuff, and this is why I'm really glad you called because yeah. I'm just going to keep pushing people to you. <laughs> and uh, you know what you're doing. Uh, I understand what you just said. That that's a good trade. Uh, that's an excellent trade. And uh, but most of the people listening, most people probably need to go and ask a few questions. Uh, totally. Early. Yeah. So. But hey, totally. I appreciate but the that. Funny thing, that trade that trade cost me, I think, three dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, when he says three dollars, folks, what he means is three hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. A <laughs> dollar is a hundred dollars in, in options. So that's the kind of stuff too that uh, that he Joe can help you with, and uh, you can help him with those uh, the same strategies that you used on the floor. Which right. I, I think is pretty interesting. Well, I, and I think, and just to go back, like you know, like I think where you're the average investor or like the listener on your radio show might be more interested in like covered call writing or mm-hmm. something like that. That's a little more easier to conceptualize yeah absolutely yep so from now on i'm just gonna say hey call joe <laughs> <laughs> perfect hey perfect. thanks for calling and uh, we'll try to get you back on next week yeah definitely thank you for having me on all right Appreciate thanks it. yep bye gotta go to john right now john i got a few minutes left you have any questions for us yeah good morning bill hey um wanted to get your thoughts on cedar fair Cedar Fair. Well, I love the amusement park, and I really love the stock symbol. It's fun. F-U-N. <laughs> and yeah. I look at the market cap. You know, it it's uh, it's almost it's about two and a half times its revenues. That's not bad. It it's not like a it's not bad. Uh, the dividend yield is pretty high on it. You know, it's close to six percent. Um, it the stock. It's a stock, though. You know, it, it trades. Yeah, it's a stock, so it, it's going to be volatile. If you look at the prices as it's been in the past, nineteen ninety eight, it was twenty seven bucks. Okay, it's twenty years later, it's at sixty. A lot of people go, "Oh, well, that's not very good. That's only about three and a half percent." Actually, it's paid that plus the dividend. So the total return, the, the average annual return, is probably closer to nine or ten percent. You know, if you were reinvesting your dividends the whole way, uh, you'd have seen the stock price go down a lot. Went down to, to 17. Oh, somebody's getting pulled over. Hope that's not you. <laughs> uh, that's just an amb- ambulance going by. Okay. So then in uh, 2005, 
uh, or 2004 rather, gets up to 34 bucks. By 2009, it's from 34 all the way down to eight dollars and ninety cents. And Whoa. yeah, in 2000, in 2009. So now it's at 60. So if you had the guts to reinvest your dividends over that whole time period, your returns probably closer to 13 or 14% a year. Um, wow. So if you were reinvesting the whole time and you've got nerves of steel, <laughs> you could do very, very well with the stock. It doesn't appear like it's a great bargain right now, but it also isn't over. It's right around that central value I was talking about today in the uh, the seminar where stocks should be. They'll They'll stay within 15% or so up or down and where they should be about 80% of the time. Uh, then when, if something bad happens, you can bet that it'll overreact and go below. And, and that central value may even drop in value. If the company starts losing sales or, you know, losing or the profitability is permanently going to be affected, uh, that central value might edge down, but the stock has a tendency to go down a lot further than it would indicate or that it would dictate. And that's where your, mm-hmm. you know, your value comes in. So I'd say when the stock went from 2004 to 31 to 2009 at $8.90, at eight ninety, you know, it looks like at that point, when you looked at the revenues back from that time period and the potential profit margin, you go, okay, yeah, everybody's got to buy that, but nobody wanted to buy in 2009. <laughs> right. Everybody was afraid of everything. And uh, so if yep. that, that were a stock in your portfolio and you got the dividend being reinvested and it's not more than a couple percentages or so, uh, you know, it, it could still have added a tremendous amount to your returns over the years. Right. I read an article on Cleveland.com yesterday where they talked about their attendance being relatively flat. And I, I think, you know, I've been there a couple times this year and I think their prices are to the point where they're almost pricing themselves out of the yeah. market because it's, not yep. cheap to hey, go there anymore. Hey, John, can, could you call back in next week and we'll finish the conversation? Because I hear the music. That means i got to run. Okay, Bill. Thank you very much for your time. Yep. Thanks for calling. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420 The Answer. Have a good weekend, good investing, and good luck. Broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420 The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.